It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley. Life is a series of circles and cycles, phrases and stages. These are your experiences that teach you the lessons of life. You can either ignore them or embrace them. Welcome to the James Cooley Show. It's Your Life. James is a motivational speaker, author, military veteran, and founder of the J.C. Cooley Foundation. James is here to equip you to strive for greatness and overcome adversity. It's time to get equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. Now, here's the host of It's Your Life, James Cooley. Hello, welcome to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and wow, it is hump day! Hump day! (laughs) Hey, no, I almost got that down packed, man. I almost just live for Wednesday so that I can hear that sound each and every week. Oh, man, this this is hump day, and uh, we got a very important show. I'm excited about our guest, my friend. Oh, yeah, man, I'm extremely excited uh, uh, about uh, Carl and uh, Matt Ops. Uh, you know, he's our guest today, and um, we got a tough topic to talk about, but I believe that uh, our listening audience needs to understand uh, about this topic. Uh, some of the symptoms and how you go about coping and handling this. So uh, it's tough uh, on uh, everybody that's involved. And we're talking about uh, the titles of today's show is how hope, love, and joy was discovered in a 17 year odyssey experience with Alzheimer's, you know, so I'll tell you, I mean, I know some, I know multiple people actually, James, in my family that have had it towards the end of their life, and it's it's devastating. It is extremely devastating, and uh, you know, uh, just uh, reading uh, and 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 looking at a lot of stuff that uh, Colin Colin uh, did and how he coped with it. I mean, I'm just uh, I just want to give him a, 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 a two thumbs up and listen, audience. This is a very serious topic. Please call in and ask questions, and the call-in number is one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Again, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. As you see, I'm in uh, California studios, and uh, Michelle is uh, back in uh, in Texas, so uh, I would be back home uh, Saturday. You know, in uh, <laughs> beautiful California, I know that they're having tornado watches and all that stuff back in uh, Texas. And uh, and Colin, uh, he is in St. Petersburg, Florida. <laughs> you know, so uh, he's enjoying it. And I, I know it's past his bedtime right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's a trooper. We, we love having him on. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to learn a whole lot, just like I said. Michelle, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Just, um, you know, I guess I'm old school. Like my mom taught me, it's thundering and lightning here. She turned off all the lights. We were growing up as kids. Like, turn off all the lights and electricity. Stay away from the windows. So me and the dog are keeping each other company. Um, it stopped for now, but, um, yeah, I'm doing good, James. I, I, <laughs> I, see, I see you made sure you was away from the windows. You right by the steps. Like, you might run up steps. <laughs> <laughs> my great producer, how are you doing today? I am doing well, my friend. It's always this part of the day that really gets me excited because we really get to just talk about so many important things that are kind of more important than some of the chaotic news that's out there. So love being here. I try to stay away from the news right now, man. You're making a wise decision, my friend. <laughs> you know, so uh, I want to dive right into uh, uh, this topic. Michelle, can you tell our listening audience uh, about the purpose of tonight's show? Yes, the purpose of the show is how the diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease affected the family. Learn about our guest and his family's 17-year odyssey experience with Alzheimer's. Discover the various methods of mental and spiritual healing in living with the disease and the challenges and rewards of being a caregiver to those with Alzheimer's. Wow. Yeah, so uh, uh, why don't you do the honors of introducing our guest? Yes, Carlin Maddox. Colin Maddox grew up in a small town in the foothills of the Cumberland Mountains in Tennessee. He left there at age 18 for Atlanta to take a full football scholarship at Georgia Tech, where he practiced a lot but didn't play. His roommate at Tech dated Martha, Colin's future wife. 
Carl and his roommate then went to graduate business school at the University of North Carolina, which Martha also subsequently attended. Carl and his roommate ultimately married Martha's roommate at UNC. Life can get complicated. After vainly trying to become hippies before kids, Martha and Carlin lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico, in the Bayou country of Louisiana. They ultimately moved to Martha's hometown of St. Petersburg, Florida, when she was pregnant with their first child. Carlin cut his journalistic teeth at the nationally recognized St. Petersburg Times, now the Tampa Bay Times, before starting his own regional business magazine covering the Tampa Bay area. That magazine published for 26 years until it was closed when Martha was deep into Alzheimer's. Martha, meanwhile, was active in local politics and civic activities. She served on the St. Petersburg City Council for six years in the mid-'80s. Martha and Colin were happily and busily married for 25 years, working in their designated fields and rearing three wonderful children when, in 1997, she was suddenly diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's disease. She was 50, he was 52, and Rachel and David and Catherine were still in high school and college. The 17-year odyssey began. Martha passed away June 30, 2014. Colin has written about their 17-year experience through Alzheimer's in his book titled A Path Revealed, How Hope, Love, and Joy Found Us Deep in a Maze Called Alzheimer's. The James Cooley Show, It's Your Life, proudly presents Mr. Colin Maddox. Welcome to the show, Colin. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well tonight. Thank you, James. It's good to be with you. Good to talk with you and to talk with uh, your friends that you're uh, speaking to as well. And um, so I look forward to the conversation here. Well, looking forward to it. You know, you, you grew up in Tennessee. I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Can can you tell That's our right. listeners a little bit about uh, uh, your background and growing up in, in Tennessee? Uh, growing up in Tennessee, well, the, it was called Cookville, Tennessee. <laughs> it is still called Cookville, Tennessee. And it's a uh, town of about 8,000 when I was growing up. And as a kid, uh, you could run outdoors and not have to have mama knowing where you were all the time and playing softball or baseball or basketball or whatever you wanted to do, jumping in creeks. Uh, my grandfather had had a farm, and uh, I spent a lot of time out in the creeks in, uh, that was running through his farm, and it was just it was just a wonderful kind of experience growing up there. And uh, so I graduated in 1963 from high school, and then went on down to Georgia Tech, um, where uh, Bobby Dodd was the head coach, head football coach at that time. For the older folks who will remember that name, maybe. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and my father had a hardware store. I, he, uh, I worked in the hardware store many, many a summer. And uh, then he let us off to in the afternoon to do whatever we wanted to do. You know, what made you decide to want to become a journalist and start your own regional business magazine covering the Tampa Bay area? Well, it's, it was odd. My, I, my um, uh, college degrees were in business. And uh, but I just had this urge. And so uh, when I was at the St. Petersburg Times, I did not start in journalism. I started on the administrative side. And uh, about two years into that, two to three years, I went and talked to the uh, top editor and just said, well, let me let me throw something wild to you. Would you be interested in um, in my shifting over to journalism, become a cub reporter at age thirty five? And that's pretty old for a cub reporter. And um, he said, let me think about it. And he came back the next day. He said, well, Carlin, you, um, we can give it a shot. You understand that uh, you won't make any more, you won't make any more raises now that you've uh, gone into the reporting side. I said, well, let's do that. And so I was there for about uh, three to four years on, on the business desk at the St. Pete times. And then, uh, decided uh, things were booming here in, in 1984 and decided to open up a business and real estate magazine that covered a, like a seven-county market here. And um, uh, would I do it again? Uh, probably. I would probably be that dumb to do it again, but uh, it, uh, uh, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun, but it was still an awful lot of hard work. Uh, I remember a friend of mine from the Times after I started uh, said Carlin, it must be must be great being your own boss, uh, and I'm getting tired here. 
so what's it like to be able to set your own hours? I said, Joe, you can work any hundred hours a week you choose to. And <laughs> <laughs> so that's, 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 that's the kind of business it was. Wow. You know, I can tell that this is going to be a great, great interview. And I'm, I'm looking forward to diving even deeper into a calling. But we're going to take a station break right now. But we're going to come back and continue to talk to Colin Maddox. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. The Answer San Diego, streaming now on TuneIn.com and Odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. And today uh, uh, we're talking about how hope, love, and joy was discovered in a 17-year Odyssey experience with Alzheimer's. And uh, we got uh, Mr. Colin uh, Maddox here. And uh, I tell you, we're getting ready to dive deep into uh, these conversational questions. And I want to start. But if you want to be part of the conversation, that's 1-888-344-1170. Again, that's 1-888-344-1170. Hey, Colin, when you first met Martha, did you instantly know one day she would be your wife? She was dating my roommate in college, and <laughs> and uh, and so uh, I liked Martha. But I, I didn't think that we had a future. I didn't even think dawn on me that we had a future together. And then uh, we went on to graduate school, my roommate and I, Tommy, and and Martha happened to go to the same graduate school in a different course besides business. And she, and Tommy wound up marrying Martha's roommate in Chapel Hill. And uh, and then when when we were at their wedding, we sort of looked at each other and said, "Well, maybe we all start dating or something," and, <laughs> and it went went on from there. <laughs> Just the um, my first my first date with Martha was back in Atlanta. I was teaching in a high school. And uh, she was just coming into town to teach at a high school, and uh, I was helping her unpack. And I was I was also a, a football coach in the high school, and um, and so uh, as, after I helped her get unpacked, I said, Martha, do you want to help me go scout a football game and then uh, and then go out to dinner? And she said, Oh, Carlin, I'm tired. No. I said, well, okay, and I went out, turned on my car, and then I turned the key off, and I went back and knocked on her apartment door, and I said, let me just ask you something. I said, if I had asked you to go to the Hilton instead of to a football game for dinner tonight to the Hilton, would you have gone? She said, of course I would have. And I said, oh, I just need to understand what the rules are here. <laughs> and, we, and it started from there. Wow. Carlin. What kind of symptoms did you notice in Martha before she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's? Well, that, uh, these symptoms are very 
subtle, uh, Michelle, but the, the biggest thing that hit me was uh, she was, uh, a year before the diagnosis, she was running for an open seat in the Florida State Legislature. And she was on a panel discussion uh, with the three other candidates for this same seat. And um, I've seen Martha, I've seen Martha in many settings like this, and she handled the questions easily and gracefully and directly and not didn't beat around the bush or anything like that. And but this day, she had to ask for every question to be repeated. And then when she answered the questions, the answers were just uh, off just a bit. Just They didn't quite make sense. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. And uh, when we got home, I, I asked Martha, I said, Martha, what was going on up there? Uh, and she said, what do you mean? I thought things went well. And that was the first that was the first real bell that hit me. But looking back, uh, there were some other things, too, in terms of missed appointments, uh, uh, just uh, forgotten names. And if you're in politics like she was or civic activities, you just don't miss appointments and you don't forget names. And um, so there was there was just uh, it, it, it's a everybody has a different kind of experience, but it's just sort of a gradual increase of noticing until you get to a point like we like I saw with her on this uh, panel discussion. And uh, it took us nine months to get her in to see a doctor, though. Um, us being me and our three children, encouraging her to go in. And my, my son told me that uh, in the summer we had a place up in North Carolina and uh, he was he was a lifeguard up there that summer with her, and and Martha was there at the house, and she uh, started to cook dinner, and she didn't remember where the pots and pans were, and I, he just reminded me of that story recently. Uh, before this was before a diagnosis again too, so there's just a lot of telltale signs that if you're not attuned to it, you probably just sort of can't figure out what's going on. Wow. So what were Martha's first words to you once you arrived home after learning of her diagnosis of mm-hmm. early onset Alzheimer's? The um, We went and got, got uh, went through some tests in September of 97 and uh, then came back to the doctor's office uh, three weeks later. And... Um, and uh, the doctor was just very cold and detached and whatever else, and he just said, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but it appears that you have Alzheimer's disease. And, uh, and I, hadn't had, I don't think I'd even heard of Alzheimer's uh, before then. And um, so we got out of there as quick as we could, uh, and it's, as uh, we got home and we had just a good, long, hard cry. And then she said, Carlin, I do not want to tell a soul. I don't want to tell my parents. I don't want to tell our kids. I don't want to tell my brothers. And I certainly don't want to tell my friends. And that was, um, that was sort of hard thing to be able to hide, but I tried to honor that as best I could, but it was not, it was not possible to, to hide that. The, um, there was one. There was one man that <clears throat> she was willing to talk to, and that was a, uh, a minister who had married us, and he was retired at that point. He was a good friend of ours named Lacey, and so I said, "Would you be willing to talk to Lacey about this?" And she said, uh, "Yes." And so I called Lacey, and he came over the next day, and uh, and sat down with him, and. Um, Martha and I were sitting on the couch, and he was in a chair opposite us. And they said, Lacey, um, Martha's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And Lacey was a big man, six foot four, uh, 270 pounds, and he just slumped back in the chair when he heard this. Carlin Noah, producer uh, here, and also I've had you on my show uh, several months back across the county. It's good to be able to hear your story again. And I know the answer to this because I've had family affected by both, but it's an important question when we're having this discussion. What's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? 
They're similar, but they are different. What's uh, And also, upon that, what is it look like to have early onset Alzheimer's as you experienced with your wife? Yeah, Alzheimer's is a form of dementia. It is the it is the most common form of dementia. Uh, there are uh, other kinds of mild cognitive impairment and other forms of, uh, of dementia. Uh, Noah, the um, <clears throat> but uh, in ter- in terms of um, I, I forget what the second question that you asked. Oh, what, what does it look like to have early onset Alzheimer's? Early where I, onset. I think you've already partially explained it. You know, when yeah. you're developing some of those signs, but maybe if you've never experienced it before, it could be missed. Yeah, early onset means, and and the the newer term for that today is younger onset, onset and it's for anyone who's diagnosed with with Alzheimer's who's under the age of sixty five, and so. Um, normally, Alzheimer's is considered an old person's disease, sixty five and older. And it's more more common uh, among the older set, Noah. Now, also something that my family, when they have had people in it, experience this, it was always helpful to keep a journal. I know you started keeping a journal shortly after Martha's diagnosis. Why did you start to do that? What's the benefit? It, it, it was it, it was not something I uh, thought about in advance. It was not. Not something that you you hear p- people keeping the journal for spiritual reasons. I mean, it was out of necessity. I had so much information coming at me from so many different directions, and I just I had to have a place to keep it. And uh, what it, what turned out was it also became an invaluable resource for me to when the kids were away in college to make copies of certain things I had been writing. And, and just send it to them and let them sort of see where my head was and what I was thinking at the time. So it evolved in, into that kind of thing and and dealing with, uh, with spiritual and emotional issues as well as just the physical aspects of what we were having to do. But it, it, was, a, it was an evolved thing. Uh, I stopped it. I stopped it when Martha moved into a nursing home, and, but that was about 17 journals lately, 17 books later, Noah. Yeah, that definitely. I think it can be beneficial, like you said, especially with all that information coming at you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Colin, uh, Alzheimer's can be such a devastating disease for the person living with it and for the family. Why did you title the book A Path Reveal? How Hope, Love, and Joy Found Us Deep and Amazed Called Alzheimer's. Well, Alzheimer's is devastating. There's no question about it. And I tried to be as straight up in my book about the the pain and the, and what you have to go through, the volatility of the symptoms you have to deal with. But <clears throat> over time, there was just a, 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 a developing a spiritual underpinning, if you will, that really helped keep us Kept, kept me moving forward and kept Martha m- moving forward, I think, and our children as well. I mean, one of the practices I've learned that I had never learned before was a practice of meditation, and we would do that together. And that would just settle. Uh, a- after we started that, um, um, I began to notice that Martha's anxiety level just would just diminished a lot. And as her anxiety uh, diminished, my anxiety level diminished. So uh, it, it's out of that. It's, it's very hard to explain in, in terms of it's, it's out of that spiritual under, underpinning, regardless of your faith, uh, uh, that some of this stuff begins to spring up that you see, okay, I am loved. And that's very hard. That was very hard for me to see, you know, that we, our family was being loved during this time. Wow, you know that's uh, just like you said. That's that's tough, and love is all that we have. We have to always maintain that love and joy. I, I love the title of your book, uh, "How Hope, Love, and Joy Found Us." You know, so uh, but we're gonna take a station break, but we're gonna come back and continue to talk to this great man, Colin Maddox. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. Mm-hmm. 
There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Streaming now on the Answer San Diego app and odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and uh, we got this great man uh, telling us uh, uh, about uh, his story. And and, uh, the title, just like if you've, if you just not tuned in, how hope, love, and joy was discovered in a 17-year odyssey experience with Alzheimer's. And so if you want to be part of the conversation, that's 1-888-344-1170. Again, that's 1-888-344-1170. Colin, why do you refer to your 17 years living with Alzheimer's as an odyssey versus the more traditional word journey? Yeah, the... Um I, I didn't come on to this until after I had written my book, uh, Michelle. And as I was just reflecting back on the whole experience, and uh, the word journey to me just seems too planned and too tame. Uh, Odyssey, in the classical sense, you wake up one day in a foreign and a strange land. You're hurt. You're confused. You want to get home. Uh, you'll do anything to get home. And uh, when you do get home, if you do, uh, it is um, you find home is just not the same place, and you're not the same person. And so that pretty much characterizes my experience. I think it characterizes uh, my children's experience uh, in terms of just having to go through this massive transformation, if you will, uh, as we went through these 17 years. Wow. You say that you learned over the 17-year odyssey can be boiled down to a basic idea what was learned in the first grade. What was that, and can you go into details regarding that? I think you can tell me what that is, too. Whenever you come up, whenever I came up to a crossing road and there was a, a crossing guard there, it was stop, look, and listen. And it, you just, you just, with something like Alzheimer's, you just got to stop and pay attention, not try to direct, not try to boss, not try to correct what mistakes that Martha was making, but just to stop and you just look and observe and you try to listen to what's going on, what she's trying to say. Uh, and, uh, just it, it, it it was a totally different skill set from it rather than just like we're talking right now back and forth and and the like <clears throat> but Martha began to uh, begin to stop talking probably three to four years into this uh, uh, experience and so it was having to figure out a whole different vocabulary if you will a whole different way of uh, communicating with each other and, but you have to just stop and be attentive and and be still for a while. Colin, what was the significance of forgiveness to your family during this odyssey? Oh, that was that was a big thing, uh, James. Um, one, I had to learn to, uh, b- believe it or not, I had to learn to forgive Martha for coming down with this. I mean, uh, I mean, this just changed our whole life. And, um, uh, 
and also as um, um, we were going through this, and, and we were listening to some tapes of a, of a friend of ours, a minister friend of ours, who was talking about the need for forgiveness, and and I <clears throat> began to realize that Martha had not ever forgiven her father for things a long time in the past. And as we were listening to this tape, uh, our daughter, Catherine, who was still at home in high school, was listening as well. And when it was over, she looked at her mother and she said, Mom, isn't it about time to forgive Granddaddy? And Martha looked at her and looked at me and she said, yes, I think it is. And so she had me help work with her in terms of writing him a note and saying how she forgave him for whatever the reasons were and, and the like. And that was just a, that was a big moment uh, for us. And I had my own forgiveness issues beyond that. But um, mm-hmm. it's just, you just got to let a lot of stuff go if you, if you want to get move forward with this kind of thing. That's definitely a big key, Carlin, and it can be hard letting go, but obviously the right times present itself. Now, something we never talked about when I talked to you several months ago, which I'm very curious about, is I know in your book, A Path Revealed, you chose to capitalize Alzheimer's with the capital A. What's the reason for this? No, um, no, Alzheimer's is typically capitalized named after Dr. Aloy Alzheimer's. I chose oh, man, you cho- I'm, I'm sorry. I listening, listening back to myself, I said it wrong. You chose not to yeah. do that. Yeah, I, cho- I, cho- I chose not to because, frankly, I didn't think it deserved the respect that capitalization offers a word. And so I just I chose not to do it. It was, it was a peculiar thing on my part, but I said it, it just you, you don't deserve it. Carlin, as a primary caregiver, you often do not have time or the energy to think long-term with a broader perspective, and you know, your friend's suggestions at times can seem insensitive. What can someone do to help a caregiver friend besides lending moral support, in your opinion? I think the first thing they need to do is um, show up and just sort of be there with me. And then if they see something that, um, if, if for, for me, if um, I needed a, uh, say, a hedge, just trim back. Just show up with some uh, clippers and trim those back. Or another thing would be um, if friends of Martha's would, would come and offer to go walking with her for an hour or take her to, to lunch or the like uh, just to give me a break for an hour or two hours or whatever it was. Uh, it, it just, it's, it's a very, um, a, a very sensitive kind of thing in terms of how do you approach somebody to do this, but you, you do offer suggestions can, would it be good for me to, and, and Martha to go out with two or three? And it would be good to go, two friends of Martha's rather than just one, because that would help the conversation keep moving as they're having lunch together. I mean, after a while, that that was impossible to do with Martha not being able to take care of herself or feed herself or anything else, but that's when she was in a nursing home. But uh, during the early early years and stages, uh, that was the case. And one of the great things, uh, Michelle, was our sister-in-law was just she was she had very sensitive antennas, and probably two years into this, uh, she came over to Martha and said, "Martha, let's start. Let's go to a watercolor painting class." Martha had never painted in her life, and um, and I, I, thought, I was wondering to myself, "Well, I wonder how that goes." I mean, Martha was an outdoor girl and just tennis and swimming and that kind of thing. Martha got into it with KK and just loved it. And uh, just uh, and the coloration that she did with a lot of her paintings was just pretty phenomenal. I remember her teacher telling me one time 
Now, Carlin, I, I don't know where this coloring coloration is coming from. You just can't teach this kind of thing. Martha's confidence just shot through the roof. She, after the diagnosis, she just her whole confidence just blew away. But this really brought her confidence back and just really helped change the tone in the house. Wow. Yeah, Carlin. For anyone caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's, the physical symptoms are noticeably clear and volatile. What are the spiritual issues that also must be addressed? They're just human issues, James. Anger, frustration, impatience, trying to boss somebody around, trying to control, um, and it's just, uh, just... you're out of control. I mean, you, you don't have control on this situation. You can do some guiding and whatever else. I tried for a while when Martha would make a, a wrong statement. I would try to correct her and whatever, but uh, just learned after a while that that was that was fruitless. It didn't it didn't help any. And uh, so it just. But there are a lot of there are several different tactics that you can. Use. I mentioned that uh, we learned the practice of meditation. I remember we visited a, a nun up in Kentucky uh, at the Sisters of Loretta about three weeks after she was diagnosed. And one of the things she told me and Martha, she said, you might look into the difference between willfulness and willingness, between being willful versus being w- willing. I didn't have a clue what she was talking about. And um, Martha Martha was in politics. I was uh, running a, a business. And if those aren't willful activities and you just dig in and be stubborn and move ahead. But anyway, it took us a long time, took me a long time to learn the distinctions between those two things. Uh, say that again, the, will, uh, the two uh, words. Willfulness. Willfulness and willingness. Willful versus willing. Uh, willful, you're in, you're trying to be in control. Willing, you're trying to learn about trust, trusting something beyond yourself. And um, that that was hard. That was hard to learn. Wow. I mean, I like that analogy right there. I mean, that is, uh, I mean, it's, it's stuck a bell, stuck a bell with me. Uh, so I uh, really appreciate the, <laughs> that you're sharing that with us. But we're going to take a station break. But we're going to come back and continue to talk to Colin. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. The Answer, San Diego, streaming now on smart speakers and odyssey.com. 
It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and uh, we are talking with uh, Colin uh, Maddox. Maddox. And uh, I tell you, uh, it's, it's, it's touchy, and it's, uh, it's a very deep topic that uh, I believe that we all need to hear about and know about. So if we are in that situation, we know how to uh, uh, cope with that. So if you want to be part of the conversation, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Again, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Carlin, what did you learn about Martha after she no longer could talk, walk, or care for herself? This is a, a real uh, paradox, Michelle. Uh, when a person loses all their physical abilities like that, you you have a tendency to think they are no longer a person. And um, and but as we, we would continue to meditate together, uh, I would go into the nursing home and I would sometimes find Martha just curled up in her chair or bed in a fetal position and just seemed to be anxious. And I remember just slipping my hand, my right hand into her left hand, and just began to slowly repeat the word that we had been practicing, and I had been practicing for many years at that point. And Martha soon just began to relax, and oftentimes would either go to sleep or just relax and just look out the window or or the like. And I could just tell that there was just a a transformation there. And so it's, this is very nonverbal kind of stuff. And, and it was just important to uh, realize to do that because she is still very much my wife. She is still very much a person, not the same person that, that uh, we married and had children with and the like didn't have the same skill sets or the like, but still just sort of in that, womb inside is a person sort of nesting in uh, within I call the divine womb. Now, Carlin, again, I know what, uh, what, what a painful process this, this can be having had this happen, both dementia and Alzheimer's in my family, my grandmother. Uh, I mean, it, it, it really rocked a lot of us, but I know through these processes, we always there's something that we learn along the journey. So during this 17 year odyssey that took place, what was the greatest gift that you received? Well, the greatest gift I received, um, Noah, came from my children. Uh, after after David and Rachel came home from college, they approached me and said, uh, "Daddy." Uh, we would like to give you one weekend a month off. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I had, uh, was able, fortunate enough to be able to have caregivers during the weekday uh, when I was at, on the job. Uh, but just to be able to have a weekend off to myself and not have to worry about Martha and knew that she was in good hands. So I, I typically I spent that time uh, at a nearby monastery where I could just be quiet or go out and talk to the oranges and vent and walk and pray and do whatever you need to do. Um, and the, so th- that was that was that was the greatest gift. And uh, the, the, doing that, uh, the kids had to grow up pretty quick. I mean, because they had to. The, the roles were reversed. They were having to be the parents with their with their mother, and and so the roles were reversed for them. But uh, that is the one thing that just sticks in my mind. It just uh, really helped me through this time. All in all, sounds like an incredible blessing. It really was truly. What? And if anybody can draw on family members that way, or friends like that maybe friends can't do the the full weekend but if family members are willing to do that i would really encourage them to think about trying to do that colin you mentioned that you learned to call jesus two commandments promises you shall love the lord your god with all your heart soul body and mind and you shall love your neighbor as yourself can you explain that 
Well, someone tells me they're commanding me to do something, and even when I was in the military, um, I I balked at that. I didn't like being told I had I was being given a commandment. And uh, through this whole whole odyssey, I just I learned that I was I was loved, and um, I I and that Martha was loved, and so. Coming out of that, I saw that it was much easier just to to say I love the the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, strength, and and mind. And it was just a, basically he was saying, "You let us in, let me in, and I promise you, you will, you can do this." And uh, it just flipped the coin for me. Carlin. What were the four worst moments for you during those 17 years? Oh, you're reminding me of this, huh, Michelle? Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, well, the first, first moment was the diagnosis. Um, the uh, second moment was when I had to take the car keys away from Martha. She, she was driving for a while after the diagnosis. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then the third moment was when Martha had a full-on seizure. Uh, I was down in the kitchen getting breakfast ready, and I heard this thud upstairs, and I went upstairs and found Martha just curled up. And I just, I've never seen anybody be in a full seizure. And that was really hard. And then the fourth was um, just having to make the decision to move Martha into a nursing home. I just uh, um, there were other bad moments, but those are the ones that still stand out in my mind. That uh, you just have to get through them in some way. But yes. What were the good moments during this seventeen years odyssey? Well, one of them I've just mentioned to you about Martha getting into painting and her confidence just shooting way up. Other moments, Martha loved to dance, mm-hmm. and she loved music, and so we would just start dancing sometime, and uh, and so that was good. And and uh, people, music and art and dancing, uh, st- non-verbal kind of things are r- really key things to look out for for anybody who's in this kind of a situation. Um, uh, other things were just, um, uh, uh, I'm, com- I'm, I'm sort of coming, coming to a loss here right now, but just, uh, uh the, the gift from the kids and just, there was several, several points like that. Yes. You, uh, traveled, uh, over in Australia to, uh, uh, Angelica's, a uh, Canyon who led, to a healing ministry. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, Martha and I went to her uh, college class reunion in Atlanta. Uh, she wanted to go. This would have been in 19... We, she was diagnosed in 97. And so this would have been in 1999, two years after that, and and began to show signs of the big real problems. Uh, I didn't think it was a good idea, but she went. And... Um, and people began to notice that something was wrong with Martha. One friend in particular, uh, Mary Zoll, uh, was the wife of an Episcopal priest in Birmingham. And so Monday, when we got back home from the reunion, she called me up and said, Carnot, uh, what's wrong with Martha? And uh, I, I then told her what was wrong. And she said, well, you know, we have this friend, this Anglican priest, in Sydney, Australia, that uh, he was just visiting uh, Paul's church recently, and I can be glad to send you some books and and um, and uh, tapes of his. And uh, I said, well, as long as he's not uh, handling snakes, I'll, I'll listen listen to what he has to say. And um, and, uh, and it grew from there. I, I got I got into phone conversations with him. And just talking with him, trying to understand his whole ministry. And then after Martha had that seizure that I mentioned, I said, I've got to go out and visit Jim and just see more directly for myself what he's doing, how he's doing it. 
And we, we just developed a wonderful bond of just, just a good friendship and it's just very helpful to me to, uh, in, his, in his way as other mentors were in their own way on this. And so, yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, that's, that's a moment that really sticks out in my mind as being very significant for me. We're coming down toward the end of the show, but um, how can people uh, reach out to you, get your book, and and if they got questions or anything, how can how can they get in touch with you? Uh, I have a, a blog site that has been a bit inactive the last couple of months, but it still has a lot of lot of uh, blogs on it. And I have an archive that you can get to. It's www.carlinmaddox, dot com. I can be reached at carlin at carlinmaddox.com by email. Uh, the book can be found on Amazon or it can be ordered through any bookstore. It probably wouldn't be on the bookshelf, but can be ordered through any bookstore. But on Amazon would, would be a path revealed. Uh, again, my name, Carlin Maddox, and then path revealed how hope, love, and joy found us deep in a maze called Alzheimer's. You're such an inspiration. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the James Cooley Show. It's your life. And uh, certainly want to invite you back again uh, real soon. So, hey, thanks so much, sir. I'd like to thank uh, my uh, co-host, my wife, Michelle. I'd like to thank my great producer, Noah. Uh, but most importantly, I'd like to thank our listening audience for taking time to tune in uh, to us nightly. Uh Keep in mind that we are always looking for sponsors so we can continue to bring this great message to you. So we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. I'm in studio with Noah <laughs> again. It's your life. I'm James Coley. You have a nice night. Thanks for joining us for It's Your Life with James Cooley. To learn more about James, how you can support the show, or become a guest, visit CooleyFoundation.org. Join James weekdays at this same time for more motivation and inspiration to help you become equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. This has been The James Cooley Show. It's your life, where you learn how to dream big, think big, and be big at everything that you do. It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley.